Hey, thanks so much for joining me on Between the Two of Us, a mental health podcast. I'm your host, Jen Alley, a licensed professional counselor, wife, and mom. In this podcast, we will talk about modern day life as it relates to your mental health. Drawing on my professional experiences of being a therapist the last 14 years, my background in education, and my personal experiences, I want to help you feel less alone in your struggles while teaching you what I wish everyone knew about brain science and mental health. While this podcast isn't therapy, I will offer practical tools and strategies grounded in neuroscience to improve your relationships, life, and mental wellness. Thanks so much for listening. Grab your cup of coffee or your walking shoes and let's get started. Hello, friend, and welcome back to Between the Two of Us. This is your host, Jen Alley, and this is episode seven. We are going to talk today about navigating stress. And I thought we would talk about this because I think it's a good primer because all of us experience stress from time to time, if not frequently. And also as we get into other topics in the future, like trauma, I think this is kind of a great primer for some of those types of topics or even going into things like PTSD. So I wanted to talk about stress also because I personally have been having some stress this week and just some, you know, things that were out of my control and things that I didn't know were going to happen happened and just a variety of things. And so I think sometimes too, we experience multiple stressors at once and that also can really have an impact on us. And so I wanted to talk to you today first about like, well, what is stress? But also when I'm experiencing stress, what can I do about it? Like what can help me in the middle of stress if I'm kind of having ongoing symptoms of stress, what would be helpful? So let's first define stress. Stress is a biological response to a perceived threat. So again, remember from a different episode, we were talking about our bodies are scanning for danger like four to six times per second. We are constantly scanning, am I okay? Am I safe? Am I in danger? And what's really cool about that, right, is is that in a moment where there is a perceived threat, like a snake, you don't even have to realize with your prefrontal cortex that there is a snake because your brain is constantly scanning and your lower to midbrain is going to see the danger and you are going to move or react before you even realize what has happened. So I don't know if that's ever happened to you. Maybe, you know, a car swerves or something, you know, happens really fast. You even like stick your hand on something hot, right? And immediately remove it before you really can even process like, oh, that was hot or this thing about happened because your body responds. So we need this stress response cycle. We need to be able to experience stress which causes chemicals and hormones like adrenaline and cortisol to surge throughout our body. And then it helps us to respond to the problem and it helps us to, you know, hopefully then get out of danger or harm's way. The tricky thing is, is that in modern life, many of our stressors are not actually real. I have like air quotes threats in the sense that they are not necessarily threatening our lives. Um, We have way more information about what's going on all around the world at any given time 
than we probably need to have or should have. Not that we don't want to have compassion and empathy, but it's a lot for our bodies and our minds and our hearts to handle the amount of information that we have coming in all of the time. We're also in connection with a lot more people, which means we're in connection to a lot more people's problems. And again, not that we don't want to be compassionate or empathetic, but again, it's just a lot for us to be in touch with. And then of course we have our own lives and our own kind of situations going on. And so it's just like a constant influx of things happening that could be causing stress. We also have very busy lives. Um, in you know, in our modern day, we have very busy lives. We have a lot going on. And again, all of this creates stress. So I do want to say, of course, stress can sometimes be helpful. Let's say that you are getting ready for a presentation. You know, some stress can be actually helpful because it can fire up our system and helps us to be more productive. But again, we don't want to stay in stress. That's when it starts to cause problems. So first of all, there is acute stress. That is when there is a specific event. And then, you know, once the danger passes and we have had this physiological and psychological reaction, then our body system is able to return to normal. Again, this is the thing where you touch something, something happens, um, and you have the reaction and then you move back into safety. I think of this kind of like if you see deer on the side of the road and they get startled and they like, they're, you know, kind of like first they're in a more of a green pasture sort of state. They're grazing, they get startled, they freeze, right? And then pretty soon as they realize that safety has, you know, come about again and the danger has passed, they start twitching and then they go back to just feeding. And I'm sure there's a lot more, you know, complexity around that, but that's just kind of an interesting visual of like what we want to have happen when there's stress. There's also severe acute stress, right? So that's when something maybe that you have faced that your body read as life-threatening. And of course, we know that this can lead to PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder, and other mental health problems. And we'll talk more about PTSD in a different episode, but I just did want to mention that. There's also episodic acute stress. This is when we feel maybe frequently stressed, frequently anxious or worried. Maybe we feel like our lives are really chaotic. We feel like we go from one crisis to the next. Um, and of course, I want to say too that there are certain professions, maybe like you know law enforcement or firefighters, um, EMS, and you know other things where you might be more likely to experience this because you're confronted so frequently with really... Um, you know, stressful situations. And we know that episodic acute stress can really affect our physical health and well-being over time. And then next we have chronic stress. Chronic stress is where we just have a consistent sense of feeling pressured and overwhelmed over a period of time. So common causes of chronic stress might be things like poverty or financial distress, or when we were you know, really in the pandemic might be an example. If you're living in a really dysfunctional marriage or family, there's trauma, you know, or domestic violence or sexual violence at home, a difficult job, physical illness, right? So chronic stress slowly drains a person's psychological resources. And over time, it can really damage a person's brain and body. 
And so many times when people are in chronic stress, they might feel kind of helpless or hopeless. They might feel really stuck. Like, I don't know how to change this situation. Of course, in therapy land, right, this is a lot of times when people might come in because, you know, of course, people come in for maybe like, oh, this one thing happened. But I think especially when people are feeling chronically stuck or upset in a marriage or in a job or in a different like family situation, this will over time lead to a lot of stress and then that will bring people into the office. So we know that ongoing stress interferes with our productivity, our health, our relationships. As far as our physical well-being, it might contribute to things like high blood pressure or a weakened immune system or anxiety or depression or cardiovascular disease. So let's talk a little bit about the manifestations of stress. And this list is a long list. And so I'm just going to kind of tell you that in advance. I'm not even going to tell you all of them, but what I want you to take in is that stress has a really huge impact on our bodies. And we're not talking necessarily about the kind of stress where, you know, there's a quick resolution and our body is able to return to a calm state. We're talking about stress that kind of stays and lingers with us and stays in our body. So when we are feeling stressed, we often might feel anxious and a manifestation of anxiety often is irritability. We might also feel angry or wound up. We might say we're overwhelmed or nervous or afraid. Many people experience racing thoughts. It might be hard to enjoy yourself like you're uninterested in your life. You also might feel a sense of dread or feel really lonely or just constantly worrying. It can be really difficult to concentrate and you might have things like headaches or body pains or an upset stomach or difficulty sleeping. People often experience a changed appetite, feeling like it's really hard to remember things or it's hard to make decisions. You might have physical things like biting your nails or picking at or itching your skin or clenching or grinding your teeth. People also report feeling a change in their libido or a loss of interest in sex, feeling restless, crying, or feeling tearful, and engaging in behaviors like maybe drinking or using drugs or shopping or spending too much in order to kind of manage some of the the feelings or the, the symptoms that are coming up. We might also withdraw from others. We might have changes in our hormone cycles. We might also experience exacerbated mental or physical health conditions that we already have. So again, this list is not exhaustive, but there are a lot of symptoms that go along with feeling stressed. And again, that makes sense, right? Because our body, when we when it releases all those hormones, this flood of hormones, our bodies are telling, even though we might know logically that we're safe now, our body is registering or reading the environment as though we are feeling unsafe, as though the danger is still there. So let's talk now about the stress cycle. Now, this is from medical researcher A.Z. Resnick. And what they basically said is, is that first there's the resting ground state, So we think about the deer, the deer is grazing, everything's okay. 
Next is the tension and strain phase. Then the response phase, which can be passive or active. And then the relief phase, which is both physiological and psychological. And then we return back again to that resting ground state. Now, the problem, right, is, is that we get stuck sometimes in the stress cycle and the, we are never sort of completing that stress response cycle. So in a way, I kind of think of it like we, our bodies are not cueing that like, oh, the danger has passed. And sometimes that's because there's an ongoing or a chronic stressor, right? Like something like maybe our finances are feeling really scary. And so we're constantly confronted with that. Or maybe there's someone in our family with a chronic health issue. And so we're constantly confronted with the fear of whatever's happening for them. And so the tricky part, though, is, is that our bodies don't do well stuck in the stress cycle. It's a little bit like a traffic light. You know, I think I've heard it described this way before where it's like there's the green, which is again where our body's feeling kind of at rest. There's red, which is like high alert. But I think in our culture, a lot of us are running around kind of stuck on like a yellow orange. Like we're not maybe in total fight, flight, freeze, faint response, but we're also not in safety. There's a felt sense of unease or danger. And so we're stuck in this and we're not able to move the stress out of our bodies. So I want to tell you a little bit about the work of the Nagoski sisters. They wrote the book Burnout. And they also have a really great podcast episode with Dr. Brene Brown. I will link both of those things in the show notes. And they talk about completing the stress response cycle. And again, if we don't complete the stress response cycle, or if our lower brains and our bodies don't know that the stress or danger has passed, then that stress cycle continues in our body. And it's not until relaxation comes on that the stress response cycle ends. So it's a little bit like if you think of a movie theater, and I think I've given this example a different time on the podcast But I think it's a good one, which is like if you're in a movie theater and you're watching something scary happen, your body might react as though it's happening in real time. And you might start to feel kind of sweaty and your heart might start to race as though it is happening right now. And then all of a sudden you hear your person that you're at the movie theater with crunch their popcorn and it kind of like snaps you out of it. You turn to look at them and you realize, oh, I'm in a movie theater. I am not in the middle of a really scary situation. And then because of that, your body returns back to a resting state, right? Your body, your heart stops beating so fast. You stop sweating and you kind of, you know, sink into the, into the chair. And many times our stressors are like this, right? It's not like we're in active danger, We're not actively in a hard situation much of the time, but we might be ruminating on something or thinking about something so much and it's front and center and our bodies are reacting as though it is happening in real time. And when we are confronted with chronic stress, I think, again, as many of us are in our culture, 
we might need to do things every single day to move the stress out of our body. So back to the Nagoski sisters, they write this book and they talk about burnout and they talk about how burnout in general is when someone feels so exhausted and overwhelmed by everything they have to do and are still worried they're not doing enough. And I think, I don't know if this resonates with you, but they talk about it particularly with caregivers, maybe particularly women, you know, in our culture, but you know, not that that's not to say that men aren't going to experience stress as well, but that people who identify as givers are particularly prone to burnout because they often believe that they aren't allowed to inconvenience anyone with their emotions. And so they're kind of trapped in a situation where they don't get to move through their stress and they feel like they're exhausted from everything they have to do. And they don't feel like they're ever kind of getting to, you know, every, they're not getting to all of the tasks that need to be done. So, but in their book, they identify a bunch of different ways that we can complete the stress response cycle. And so let's talk through some of those now. So things that we can do to let our bodies know that the threat has passed And again, our lower brain speaks in movement and in sensation. It does not speak in words. So we cannot just say, I'm fine. Everything's fine. And our body will not register that as like, okay, I'm actually fine. So we need to do things that help our bodies know that we are safe. And so these are things like yoga, deep breathing. You can also do box breathing, tai chi, brisk walks or running or sprinting or bracing your body and then releasing. And I actually created a free progressive muscle relaxation. Uh, It's a guided meditation that actually walks you through this process that I will link in the show notes or on Instagram, you can DM me the word relax and you will get it uh, sent right to you. Also belly laughter is a great way to let your body know that the threat has passed. Doing creative expression, grounding. So things like if you notice, you know, your body, if you notice like your feet touching the earth or your body, if you let your body's weight just really move into the chair that you're sitting and you focus on that again, this is letting your body know like where you are in space and time. We've talked about this before, but you can look out at the horizon. I think the worst thing we can do for stress is be on our phones and on our computers, which is really tricky because we live in a very digital society. Um, We can focus on a soothing word repeatedly. So if there's something, you know, that you find particularly soothing or a visualization or place that you can go, like a meditation with calming imagery, maybe the beach or somewhere that feels really safe to you. Sometimes a really big cry where you feel that release can be helpful to end the stress response cycle. A really long, like 30 to 60 second hug, rocking back and forth or doing rhythmic things, singing in a group or drumming or dancing or even orgasm. So there's a lot of ways that our bodies will be able to take in that they are safe. And again, this isn't like a permanent, right? We're not just going to do this and then be like, and now I never feel stress again. So again, we might have to do it often, but 
I would say exercise is like the number one way to move stress out of our body. Although I, you know, a caveat to that is that sometimes if the, if the exercise we're doing is really stressful or hard on our bodies, it may actually increase the stress. So we do need to kind of pay attention. Like, do I generally feel a release and feel better after this exercise? And I would, when you're feeling really stressed, you want to do things that offer you that sense of release um, versus doing things that are maybe going to contribute to feeling more stressed. So again, I want to highlight that, you know, stress is a normal part of life. That said, I also wanted to talk a little bit about how our brains are more likely to look for what is wrong than what is good. All of our brains have a negativity bias, and that is just evolutionarily the way it is. But most of us, right, we don't necessarily need to be on high alert from predators like our earlier ancestors. And so it doesn't always serve us well. So if you're feeling stuck, but you're not in active danger, you might just start to notice, like, am I ruminating on dark thoughts or on things of the past or on things that I'm worried might about that might happen? In other words, am I feeling more anxious about things that are not kind of like the movie theater? Am I like imagining things that are creating stress in my body that aren't actually maybe real stressors in this moment? And that's not to judge or to say that that's bad. It's just to notice that. So that way we can start to do something different about that. And we'll talk again more about anxiety and things like panic attacks in a different episode. But I do want you to know that negative things are usually quickly transferred and stored in our long-term memory. That is not true about positive things. Positive things are not relevant necessarily for the survival of ourselves. And so our brains are not as likely to store that and without intention on our part. So if you think about it, like we kind of are what we think about, right? If you kind of like they say, you are like the five people that you spend the most time with. So it's important that you make an effort when good things happen when something positive happens, when something, you know, brings you joy, I would spend about 20 to 40 seconds really taking that in, like being with it, envisioning it, remembering what it was like for your body. So let's just imagine that you, um, I don't know, that your partner comes home and gives you like this really big hug and it feels really good or they were like really supportive of you is to really take that in. It can be in real time or even after when you're reflecting on it. And that's going to help you to really take that in and to store it in your long-term memory and to experience the positive effects of that. So again, this isn't to say that our stress isn't real or to dismiss our stress, but many times there are good things happening in our world, but we might have a negativity bias that's keeping us from really being with those positive or good things. And Kind of as a side note to that, I would say, you know, if you're watching or, you know, taking in tons and tons of news, we know that news has a negativity bias. And the reason for that is because they are trying to get more people to watch and it's more interesting maybe or entertaining. 
And so it's sensationalized and it doesn't mean it's not real, but it's also true that much of the news is not focusing on the good and positive things. So I would actually limit your news intake. Of course, we want to know what's going on in the world, but just being careful about what you are inputting because that is affecting what you're thinking about and what's happening inside of you. You might also try listening to upbeat music, surrounding yourself with people who are more positive or encouraging. So again, it's this both and, right? There's stress and there's good things. There's hard things happening and there's positive and good and wonderful things happening. And life is both, right? It's that tension of like, there's these really hard challenges and there's also really great, wonderful, amazing things that we want to be able to hold both of those things. And finally, I want to remind you that people can be so helpful. We want to reach out. We want to connect with others when we're feeling stressed or when we're feeling upset. Um, we know that holding that weight ourselves can be really hard, but we want to try to reach out and connect and let other people support us and be there for us and to help us feel less alone. So in general, things that are just healthy coping coping strategies for dealing with the daily ins and outs of our lives and for dealing with our stress as it comes up, things again like exercise, regular exercise. So again, that's important for both completing the stress response cycle, but also just for daily practices, eating healthy learning time management techniques, getting adequate sleep, having time for fun and play and leisure, focusing on your social relationships and connections, learning to set realistic goals so you're not constantly stressed out, minimizing alcohol, caffeine, and drug use, and learning more coping or stress reduction skills if you don't feel like you have those. And then finally, learning and practicing mindfulness, which we've talked about before on the podcast as well. So let's take a minute just to kind of talk about practical application. So if you start to notice, what are the things in your life that you're feeling stressed about right now? And when you have time and space, you might spend some time with like what emotions are underneath of that. Like, for example, I know that with my person that I was talking about who's experiencing health issues underneath of that is grief and sadness. So there's like the worry and the stress, but then there's like this sadness underneath of that. And so we might need at an appropriate time to give ourselves permission to just really feel deeply. We might want to journal or then do something like we've talked about above, like go on a walk or you know, do some burpees or do some grounding to let our bodies know that, yes, there's this thing going on, but also like in this moment, I am safe. In this moment, my body is not in danger. So to wrap up today's episode, the goal isn't to never experience stress. Of course, right? We're going to have stress probably regularly, but instead, we want to learn how to complete the stress response cycle and to have a more adaptive and flexible nervous system so that we can move in and out of safety and danger more easily and more readily. As a side note, to help your kids have more flexible and adaptive nervous systems that can move easily from kind of a fear back to back to safety response, 
um, playing things when they're really little, like peekaboo. And then as they get older, playing, playing hide and go seek and tag. So if you just think about, you know, moving, if somebody's like trying to find you and they find you and there's that immediate, like kind of, you know, flash of, it's not like fear, fear, but there's that like, <gasps> right. And then you kind of burst out laughing. And so that's a really helpful way for kids to start to practice moving back and forth between that. So to wrap up today's episode, maybe just check in with yourself about what can you take away from today and how can you incorporate something that you learned about completing the stress response cycle. As a reminder, all of the show notes and resources that I've mentioned can be found at jenalley.com or also on the show notes wherever you have listened to this podcast you can follow me at jenalley.com and you can also find me particularly on Instagram at jen.alley.therapist. I would love it if you would follow me over there. And if there's anything that you want to learn about on the podcast, please email me at jen.alley.therapist at gmail.com or you can shoot me a DM on Instagram. Please be sure to share this episode with a friend. It would also really help if you could review this as that is how more people learn about the show. And be sure to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Thanks so much again for listening and I will look forward to seeing you next time.